You're listening to Mind Over Matter on WRBB 104.9 FM with Maris and Shamile. Hey, this is Maris. We're so excited to be back with our second podcast. And this is Shamile. Thanks for tuning back in to Mind Over Matter, a mental health podcast. Mental health matters. Let's talk about it. Today, we'll be talking about loneliness in college. And we have a special guest for you. Please welcome Kurt Morris, a mental health public speaker. Hey, Kurt, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you guys? Good. We're doing great. We're so excited for you to be here. Oh, I'm excited to be here, too. Yeah, thanks for being on the show. Um, so Kurt is a speaker and writer on loneliness and its relationship with mental health. He has written for Vice, The Mighty, NAMI, and more. Before we get started... We want to give our listeners a content warning. The podcast may include sensitive topics, including suicide and mental health struggles. If you're struggling with mental illness and suicidal thoughts, the hotline is 1-800-273-8255 and is available to call 24 hours a day. Again, that is 1-800-273-8255. Ready to get started, Kurt? Let's do it. To start off, can you give us some background on your journey with mental health? Wow, yeah. My journey with mental health, um, I've written a lot about it. I would say it goes back to when I was probably in middle school. I started feeling, well, I've always been an anxious kid, and I started feeling really um, depressed, probably like in eighth grade, 13 or 14, somewhere in there, and then it just kind of carried on through high school. A lot of like depression, suicidal thoughts and feelings, um, and then in college, it really kind of peaked because I didn't know what was happening. Like, it, nobody had ever taught me about, like, mental health or what good mental health is um, or what you, like, if you start getting three hours of sleep a night for weeks on end, maybe there's something wrong with you. You know, like, maybe you should talk to somebody. So I had a lot of those experiences, and uh, I don't want to go on too long, but Basically, I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder, and uh, a brief summary of that is um, I get highs and lows, but my manic highs aren't like you might see like in the movies or TV where I go, you know, like off the deep end and have a bunch of sex and spend a bunch of money and do a bunch of drugs. Like my highs are like I don't need a lot of sleep. I get a little irritable. I have some energy, but then my lows are like really low, like suicidal low, depressed low, or not even able to get out of bed type low. Um, And since then, I've been on more medications than I can recall. I've done a lot of therapy, read a lot of self-help books, really try to be conscious of what I'm doing and who I am and what I want, making goals for myself. And I would say the last seven or eight years, you know, seven or eight years or so, it's been a lot better. Um, I found a lot more stability and really um, come to realize that it's important for me to tell other people about mental health struggles and how to deal with them and that there is hope. Like it's one of the things that makes me happy is to spread a message saying that you can get better and that you can deal with this. So that's a that's kind of a, a somewhat of a version of it, a shorter version. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I think as both Maris and I have our own different mental health journeys, I think that along with you, we found that through activism and awareness um, and just talking about mental health, um, 
that's a different way to tackle our own individual experiences. Um, and we're really lucky for people like you who are willing to be so vulnerable and open um, and honest about mental health. Yeah. And how would you relate loneliness to mental health? Well, they have uh, a big connection. And as I've been thinking about it over the past years or more, it's kind of like a chicken and egg thing, like which came first. Because like, a lot of times loneliness can cause depression, but then other times depression can cause loneliness or really any kind of mental health issue. Because when you have a mental health issue, whether it's um, an eating disorder, PTSD, OCD, whatever it is, you can feel like you're the only one dealing with it. Or that at least, I mean, you may logically realize like, okay, I know technically there are other people out there with anxiety, but it may seem like your friends and your family around you, especially if they don't talk about it, it may feel like you're the only one. And that your situation is really specific and that no one can really understand what you specifically are going through. So, you know, and then if you are feeling lonely generally, um, you know, that can lead to depression. That can, especially over extended periods of time, it can lead to, you know, feeling like that there's no hope out there for you, that you can't make connections. And so, um, like I said, it's kind of a chicken and egg, but I think going either way, they can affect one another. One can cause the other one in some cases. Yeah, I think I've definitely felt that chicken and egg experience in my past as well. Um, I noticed when my anxiety gets worse, my old eating habits from when I had my eating disorder come out. Um, and then when that gets worse, I get more anxious about it. So it is kind of a downward, sp downward spiral. Um, so I do like that example. And I think that a lot of us can relate to that if we have struggled and find ourselves getting back into old bad habits. And in your experience, what would you define loneliness as? Well, there's the technical definition, and then there's, you know, my personal definition. Um, there was a researcher uh, named John Cassioppo, and he was kind of like the big guy in the loneliness field, which is weird to think that there was like a field of study on loneliness, but there was, and <laughs> there is. And John Cassioppo was like the big shot. He was at University of Chicago, and... So he's the one that everybody looks up to. So his definition, which I'll give, is that loneliness is defined as a distressing feeling that accompanies the perception that one's social needs are not being met by the quantity or especially the quality of one's social relationships. But to put it in my own words, um, loneliness is what you feel when you want connections of a certain type, however you want to define that, and you don't have them. Um, I think that's a really great definition, and I think um, I would love for you to expand a little bit about does someone have to be alone to feel lonely? No, and that's what a lot of people don't seem to understand, that there's a relationship there, um, that they're very different in that regard. So um, the example I give is to people oftentimes is that you can be at a party or you can be at work and surrounded with two people or 20 people or even 200 people and still feel lonely because loneliness is about those connections you make with people. It's not about physical surroundings. It's not about the number of people surrounding you. So on the flip side of that, um, for example, like this last weekend, I had to do some, I had to work on Saturday night and 
my partner, she went out with friends. And then when I came home from work, I was alone. There was nobody else uh, in my apartment. But I didn't feel lonely because overall in my life, I have good emotional and mental connections with people. So I could just enjoy the time by myself and uh, knowing that she was going to come home and that we still have this connection and that I feel fulfilled by that relationship. Absolutely. I think um, I think it's also important to realize that it's okay to be alone. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think as someone who tends to say they're introverted, I don't know, it's up in the air. I might be extroverted. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but I think that I get a lot of energy from being alone. Um, and so I'm constantly trying to check myself and being like, Am I spending too much time alone when, for me, that's how I get my energy so that way I can go out and build those connections um, and build relationships with different people and bring my best self? I'm the same way, so I definitely can relate to that. (laughs) Are you an introvert, too? Do you you want to chime in on the introvertness? I'm very introverted myself. Um, I guess I... And I'm introverted myself. I think that's why college has been a struggle for me, especially is I find myself leaning on my old friendships. And not that that's bad to still hold on to because I love my friends from home, but I definitely lean on their support more than I should. And sometimes it's hard to make those new connections. But once you do, it does alleviate that feeling of being lonely. So as a college student, it's definitely great to be mindful of the relationships you have that aren't currently upfront and aren't in your current life. Um, and then try to work with those and have find a healthy balance between those relationships and the new ones you make. That yeah, make that definitely makes sense. And what are some of the effects of loneliness? There's lots of effects. Like I mentioned earlier, one of them is depression, obviously, that can come out of that feeling of loneliness. There's also, you know, health effects, um, but I want to keep in mind that and state that these are, like, long-term, like, Uh, The studies they've done that show the physical effects of loneliness are ones for people who have been lonely for like a year, felt like like really extended, uh, really powerful senses of loneliness for like a year or more. So with those, you can get um, inflammation in the brain. And no matter how inflammation in the brain is caused, whether it's loneliness or some other uh, physical reason, that can cause dementia, it can cause, um, you know, all kinds of things with, uh, with the brain, with, uh, you know, heart problems, all kinds of things like that. And so that's definitely something that people need to be aware of, but I don't think people need to be scared of. It's just like, here's what can happen with it, but I don't want that to, like, cause people too much anxiety either. So for our listeners who are currently experiencing loneliness, how does that affect them specifically? Probably not much. Um, If you find that you are, like, under crushing loneliness for, like, your whole entire college career, then um, maybe it would. But even then, if you're young enough, it's not going to probably be as much of an issue as if you're older, you know, the elderly um, people in their middle age and older that are experiencing this? Because I, th- I feel like you still have a lot of time in college to recover from physical problems that you might have. 
Um, so it seems that awareness and understanding of your own individual mental health um, and how damaging loneliness can be is absolutely important. And I think we'll talk a little bit later on about education and the different resources you have available in order to combat this loneliness um, and the mental health illnesses that follow it. Um, so, Kurt, could you tell us a little bit more about who is affected by loneliness? Well, some of the groups, well, I should say one of the groups probably isn't a surprise. The elderly, obviously, are a group that has to deal with it. You know, as they get older, friends and family start passing on, and um, a lot of them may find it difficult to make new connections. But really, uh, I was surprised to learn recently um, there was a health insurance company called Cigna, and they did a big study on loneliness this year. And the results were that people roughly 18 to 22 have the highest rates of loneliness, which I was really shocked by, um, and even to a larger degree, 16 to 24-year-olds. But specifically, I'm interested in 18 to 22-year-olds because that's the age of most students in college. Yeah, that is definitely really interesting as um, both Maris and I fit into that category. That's really surprising to me because... Coming into college, I have never been more surrounded by people <laughs> in my entire life. Um, and so that's been a very interesting adjustment, but it's also surprising, and it goes back to that point that we were talking about earlier. Just because you're surrounded by people, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not experiencing loneliness. Exactly. And that's especially ironic when you go to school in a school that you know has more than 20,000 students. And one of the things I've... One of the... Something I've read that has always stuck with me is how many people feel incredibly lonely in New York City. The number of times, you know, you're surrounded by, what is it, eight or nine million people? And the number of things I've read about, like, I was in Manhattan, and I saw hundreds of people walking around me, and I just felt so miserably lonely. And you're like, okay, if that can happen in New York City with millions of people, it does seem reasonable it could happen at a big school with tens of thousands of people. It's really real for city life, I think. Mm -hmm. I have moments where I've been on the T going to work or crossing a crosswalk, um, and I'm standing and I see all these people walking by me and they're having their own conversations. I think about this all the time, and in those moments I feel so alone mm -hmm. versus sometimes when I'm back home sitting outside and I physically am alone, but I'm in the sunshine um, and I'm just somewhere where I feel totally comfortable, I feel less alone in those moments than I do here in a city. So that is very yeah. interesting to think about how other people in that same city that you're watching, how they feel about it. Yeah, that's definitely something that's happened to me as well. So why are 18 to 22-year-olds heavily affected by loneliness? I would say there's three reasons that I've come across in my own research and just reading some different studies examples that they do. Um, I'd say the first one is social media. The second one is just changes in one's life. And the last one is just misunderstanding social cues. And I think when you think about all three of them, they kind of make sense. Do you want me to just jump into the first one? Yeah, social absolutely. Media? Okay. <laughs> so social media, I think, is one that people especially can relate to because there's this idea of like, you see everyone on their phones all the time or on their laptops and they're doing work, um, you know, and they're on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and they're not connecting with people outside and beyond them. And so 
you see all your friends too doing things online. You see all them having a good time, and you're like, I'm not having a good time. I don't feel those connections that they feel. It seems, but it's curated. You know, like people show what they want to show. Um, I do have a few friends who will show themselves being miserable, but most people are not showing that. And then you find out through somebody else, like, oh yeah, they're incredibly depressed right now. And you're just like, but every time I see them, they're at a party and they're smiling and they have a drink in their hand and they look so good. And and your friends will say, no, that's not how they're really doing inside. And you're like, wow. So, you know, people get this idea that they're the only ones going through a struggle. And in fact, there's a lot of people going through that. Um, The second reason is because of changes in one's life. I think that should be fairly obvious, but I'll expand upon it a little bit. When you come to college, most people have to make like all new friends and you have to go through meeting new people, uh, new, you have to understand like, how do I do homework now? How is it different? Um, How is it to live in a dorm? What's it like to have to deal with professors that seem really, really smart and I don't know anything about this subject? And it's just a lot of things to take on. And even though there's other people around you going through those things, it can feel like you're the only person. People don't come out and talk about that. Like, you don't talk about how stressed you are. And I mean, you'll say, like, I'm feeling stressed with school, but you don't talk about, like, the specifics of what that means and how that's affecting your mental health. And so you can feel like you're the only person because it is such, like, a taboo thing to show, like, I'm having a tough time with something. I may feel weak about something. Nobody usually wants to come out and say those things. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, when I came to college, I knew it was going to be a life change, but I didn't think I realized how big it was going to be. And I definitely felt like I'm experiencing all these things by myself. How do I do this? Um, And I think that's when I... I mean, I'm constantly growing all the time, but in these past two years, I've really felt it. And understanding who I am as a person what my mental health looks like, how what I can do on a regular basis to improve my mental health has been extremely important. I think freshman year, also, I got really lucky um, and that I lived with my best friend. Uh, she became my best friend because we lived together. Um, but the way that our relationship built because she was so open about her mental health experiences and what she was struggling with and that it made me feel comfortable being open with her as well um so it felt like we were experiencing all these different things together even though we processed it differently we handled it differently I still felt like okay she's 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 dealing with this too and I'm dealing with this how can we help each other deal with this and I think that was I I just got so lucky with that um yeah that's pretty awesome Mm -hmm. because when I went to college you kind of like I was I was open sometimes about things, like about how I felt with my mental health, but it was always in like this desperate, like, I'm going to crash and burn any second and I really need some help, as opposed to like what you just said, just being open about it and just being frank and and, and sharing, like, I'm a human being that has problems and uh, here are my problems. So that, that sounds like a much better relationship than some of the times I tried to share my mental health problems in college. Yeah, I think this just reemphasizes the importance of making those connections in college. Even if you are introverted and have those relationships at home and it's scary to do that at school, it is nice to have those people to lean back on. Um, and I love you, Shamile, and you've done, been there for me, so thank you. <laughs> love you too. 
Uh, do you want to go on and share the third reason uh, yeah. why 18 to 22-year-olds are heavily affected by loneliness? Yeah, uh, this one's about misunderstanding social cues. And this one is the one I don't think a lot of people think about. But for me, it really struck home because in college and well, high school, college, after college, I, I always misunderstood what people were saying to me when they would give me a compliment. You know, they would say, like, Kurt, this was really great, this paper you wrote. Or they'd say, you know, even something simple like, I really like your T-shirt. Uh, that's a cool shirt. Um, no one ever compliments me on my haircut. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm bald, by the way. I shave, I've shaved my head. So I never got compliments on that. But I got compliments on things, and I would just think people were not telling me the truth, that people were lying. And in doing that, I would miss these opportunities to connect with people. Because when people give you compliments... It's their way of saying, it's, it's their way of starting a conversation. And you can respond to that and say, oh, you know, cool, I, um, I got this T-shirt from wherever. Um, have you ever shopped there? Or maybe it's a T-shirt for, like, uh, some, some particular thing, like a band or um, a musician or whatever. And you can say, oh, yeah, I went to their concert, and it was great. And then you guys can start a conversation. But for a lot of younger people, including myself when I was younger, you just like don't want to believe that people are really trying to reach out and make that connection. You like my self-esteem was just so low. And looking back now, I'm just like, Kurt, there was not some big grand global conspiracy against you. Like every single person that ever complimented you wasn't part of this cabal that was like out there to lie to you about how much they liked something you did or said. So obviously it logically doesn't make sense. I definitely feel the same way when I get compliments myself. It's funny to think about it the other way around because I do tend to, especially working in customer service, I love seeing people's outfits. I love complimenting people on their jewelry, their clothing. And when I say it, I mean it. Um, and yet I can't believe it when people say it to me, even though there's no reason for me not to believe that they're feeling the same way I am when I compliment people. So it is definitely, I think, a self-esteem thing when we go through that. Yeah, for sure. And then to relate it back to loneliness, it's that, especially amongst your peers, um, it's one thing maybe if you're in like customer service or hospitality, you feel like you have to make those kind of small quips somewhat. But with your peers, it's like when you're in a class and you know people are going through changes, um, they're dealing with, you know, not feeling great about themselves. That's their tiny little way of reaching out to say like, it's like in deep inside, they're like, I want to be your friend. You seem neat. How do we make that connection? I'm going to compliment you on your haircut, you know? And then when you say, oh, cool, yeah, thanks, and then you just kind of walk off, uh, those people may be like, oh, you know, like kind of the sad inside. doesn't mean it's happening every time. Sometimes it's just flippant. People say, oh, cool haircut. But when they really seem genuine and stuff, it's, it's their, it's their uh, way of trying to, build a friendship and so when you don't understand that it can just make you feel really lonely you know like like when people try and say nice things to you you can just you can reach out or you can have that opportunity or you can take that opportunity to reach out or you can just reject it and that's going to make you feel like no one cares after a while but trust me um, people do care and they do legitimately mean those things. 
like you were saying, Maris, it's like, yeah, when you think about yourself, you legitimately mean that. It's like we're not lying to everybody either. <laughs> so, of course, people aren't lying to us. Yeah, it's um, incredible, for lack of better words, just how much your mental illness can try to trick you mm-hmm. into thinking that. Um, and so loneliness can be really frustrating. And how do you deal with that? I've come up with a bunch of different things. I am not the type of person who needs a lot of connections, um, especially in person. I have a number of friends that live different places uh, throughout the world, and so texting with them, occasional phone call is really nice, and that helps me out. My partner and some of our friends, mutual friends, like provide a lot of what I need as far as connections. Um, so when I am frustrated with like really feeling lonely, um, I can just go to them. But I've also done things where I just create projects to get me out amongst people. Um, like a few years ago, I was was not dating my partner. And so it was like, okay, Kurt, you got to get out. You got to like put yourself out there. And I wasn't in school anymore or anything. So like I would just like try volunteering for different organizations or I'd try different ways of meeting people or just even just going out someplace, going to a concert by myself, just to be around people was kind of helpful. I went to the symphony by myself, okay? (laughs) That's how desperate I was. Um, So when you, so you talked a little bit about how when you were in college, that's kind of when you really had to like tackle your loneliness. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how you connected with people, how you built connections. You touched a little bit about volunteer work. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, I, just finding those things that you find really important and finding the community that is surrounding those issues or that hobby or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That kind of goes into you know, the process by which you can make connections. I don't know if you want to go into that right now. Yeah, absolutely. With go the ahead. ease method. Mm-hmm. So the EASE acronym was designed by um, a researcher, John Cassiopo, who I mentioned earlier. And the first E, it's an acronym. It it means uh, the first E stands for extend yourself. The A stands for action plan. The S stands for uh, seek out others. And the last E stands for expect the best. So do you want me to just go ahead and dive in on the first one there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think it'd be great if we kind of went through each um, letter and discussed it. Yeah, sure. So the first E it, it's just uh, extend yourself and it just means kind of dipping your toe in the water, um, trying something. Because especially if you have anxiety, which a lot of us do, uh, and it can seem really crippling, the idea of asking someone to like, just telling someone like, you just need to make new friends. It's like, ah, oh, that's way too much. You know, like, that's way overwhelming, and I can't deal with that. But when you break things down into little steps, it makes things a lot more manageable. So with the idea of extending yourself, it's just saying, like, start a conversation with somebody or just go volunteer someplace for one hour. Do something really small that puts you out there. And that way, at least show yourself, like, okay, I can do this. I survived. Um, Maybe it's not going to lead to you making your best friends, but it's just a way that you can reassure yourself, okay, I can do this. Absolutely. Um, 
I think when I first came to college, um, extending myself was super important. I think maybe I extended myself too much because at uh, our our fair, I can't remember what it's called. What's our, the fair where you learn about all the clubs? Fall Fest, yes. No. At Northeastern, we have something called Fall Fest where you just learn about all these different clubs. I think I signed myself up for like 75 different clubs. Oh <laughs> so, <laughs> I still get emails from all 75. Oh, um, boy. And so I, but I really did, and I eventually narrowed it down and found the things that I was interested in. Um, but that was my first step in extending myself. I don't know kind of what approach you took, Maris. Yeah, I definitely did the same thing. I still go through my email inbox and delete those emails. Sorry to all the clubs, I do that too. Every day, um, I think it's definitely been difficult for me as well, just as an introvert. And honestly, putting myself out there still to this day makes me feel a bit sick. But sometimes doing the things you have to do, but doing them in a way to put yourself out there. Let's say I tend to work in customer service because I have to get a job Mm -hmm. and customer service pushes me to talk to new people and to just be surrounded by people. So that's one thing I think that it's easy to find um, ways like that to put yourself out there without having to say, oh, I need to join another club, but I've done so many. I don't have time. If you're doing something you have to do, sometimes you can find an outlet for that in a way that helps you, you know, put yourself out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in terms of extending yourself and building relationships, something that, I don't know, I felt kind of weird doing this at first, but I follow some, like, random people at this university who I think are so cool. I know they just post, like, great content, and I'll just, like, DM them, and I'll be like, I, like, love your fit, or I really like your post about this, or thanks for sharing this. And, like, I've actually built some really great friendships out of that um, just based off shared interests. Yeah, for sure. I, uh... I've done the same thing with people online. It's weird. There's actually a community of like mental health speakers and loneliness speakers that now, well, not loneliness speakers, but people interested in the loneliness field that like I've corresponded with and like talked on the phone with, and we kind of support one another. And that's not something I would have ever thought, but it was just taking that chance to like send them like a respond to a tweet and be like, hey, what are you doing with this? What does this mean? Tell me more. And it's just, yeah, it was just simple. It took me uh, 30 seconds to put it together and send it, and it can change your life. You never know. Yeah, I don't mean to brag, but I messaged Shamil on Facebook, and now we're friends, so <laughs> <laughs> we are. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> so the next letter, A. Mm-hmm. Is action plan, and it's really simple. Like, it'll take you five minutes. Just think about what you like to do. Um, think about you know, your interests, and also especially important for college students, what you have time for, because you didn't have time to join all 75 of those groups. and Unfortunately, no. <laughs> and still go to classes, you know, and do homework and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm here for that, really. The root of it, I'm here to get a degree. So, you know, getting an idea of what you like, what you have time for, and um, just kind of going from there, just writing that stuff down and saying, okay, at least I have it written down, it's in front of me. And then that kind of works its way into the next letter, which is seeking collectives. Based on what you like, what you have time for, and also what you're good at. Um, You may like things, but you're not very good at them, perhaps. Like, um, I'm trying to think of things. Like, I love music, but I'm not really good at any instruments. So I probably wouldn't want to, like, join a band or anything like that. But there could be other opportunities for me if, like, I'm a college student, I like music, 
maybe I can volunteer at WRBB, something like that. <laughs> uh, or maybe I can help, you know, book concerts here at Northeastern or whatever. And so when you find out what you're good at, what you like, what you have time for, then you find those groups on campus or in the community that reflect that, um, that help you meet other people. Because we all think, we all find people based on our interests. Um, People, you don't usually connect with people who you don't have anything in common with. So finding a common denominator by which you can share your appreciation for an activity, whatever it is, that's a good way to build a friendship. Yeah, and I think it's important to note or to remind people that they don't have to have some crazy special talent. Mm -hmm. They don't have to play an instrument. You don't have to play a sport. I know I don't do those things, and yet I love when I meet people that like the same movies as me, Mm -hmm. and we can watch a movie together, and that is enough bonding for me, and I don't I try not to feel pressured to have talents, but just have interests, and that's yeah. enough. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes, I'm finally getting back to your question, Shamil, about how I found connections with people, because the college I went to, I went to college in Indiana, and I was really into music. I still am, but I was really into going to concerts, and my friends were in bands and things like that, and so I didn't find those people at my college, but there were nearby cities where there was like a big state school and I could go there and I had friends there that I made. We'd go to house shows and we'd go to concerts at, you know, clubs and bars and all these places. And I ended up having more friends outside of my college than I did at my college. But I knew that my area of interest was music and I liked the music community, whether it was booking shows or making zines or um, record labels, whatever. And so that's how I found my collective and how I found my friends. Absolutely. So finishing off um, the final E. Yeah, expecting the best. Um, It's about having a good mindset, which in some ways this is the hardest one because I have done those things where I've made, I've sought out people, I've really put myself out there, and I've found those collectives of people that I share things in common with. But then you have to expect the best. You have to expect that, okay, this is going to work out. This is going to be something good. And since we were just talking earlier about low self-esteem, many people, especially with mental health issues, can have very low self-esteem. Anxiety does that to a lot of people, Absolutely. especially. So it's hard to overcome that. And sometimes maybe the collective you find won't be, you know, your answer to all your loneliness issues. But at the same time, you don't know these things unless you try. And sometimes it may feel like it's not worth trying, um, especially depression can say that to you, that it's not worth trying. But that really is your only option, is to try. And sometimes that means failure, uh, or at least not finding what you hope for. But other times, it can mean success. And that's really awesome when you find that group of people. And so you expect, like, okay, I've reached out to these people, I'm part of this group here on campus, and I've found this connection, and uh, that's really cool, and it's helped me out a lot, perhaps, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think I went into this semester with this mindset that anytime I have, like, an idea of doing something, I'll just do it, 
Um, Because I tend to be someone who, like, really thinks everything out. I make a pro and cons list. I consult others. It's, like, a whole ordeal, every decision I make. And so instead, I've been just going ahead and doing it. And the minute I'm no longer having fun, the minute it's no longer serving me, I'm able to just step away. Mm -hmm. Like, um, at the end of the day, most things you can just step away from. Um, And I think remembering that has helped me really just, like, get involved with so many different things that I wouldn't have been involved with. And I've built new relationships. I've strengthened strengthened the connections that I already had um, with that mindset. That's a good mindset to have, definitely. So what is being done right now to talk about mental health and loneliness in college, if anything? Unfortunately, not enough. I wish there was more. Kind of gives me, like, I feel like sometimes I'm the only person out there talking about it. And maybe I am. I don't know. (laughs) I kind of, you know, I kind of have the corner on this market, I guess, um, which I wish I didn't because I wish everyone was talking about it. So I think there is some work. I know there's been some work um, with an organization here in Boston area um, called the Unlonely Project, and they're doing work with um, art and loneliness for college students. I know they had some work about at the uh, School of the Art Institute of Chicago talking about how art can bring people together, kind of in what we were talking about with the Ease Method, like that was a point uh, or that was a central place where people could connect is through art and expressing their loneliness through art. But that's just one very small example. And I think there needs to be, I was actually writing something about this on my blog recently about how what really needs to happen is with all kinds of things mentally or related to mental health is people just need to get out there and talk about it. There needs to be an erase, erasure of the stigma and people need to learn to come to say, yeah, I'm lonely uh, and it really sucks and what am I going to do about it and how can I help others with it and things like that. So I, I wish there was more people that were okay with talking about it and also talking about how mental health can make you feel lonely because the two are very closely combined or related. Yeah, absolutely. Um, When Maris and I try to do our own research into what universities specifically are doing to combat loneliness, we came up short. And uh, in general, I think colleges are just now starting to work on building their mental health services, um, which is great. Um, There's a lot more work that needs to be done. Um, But at this moment, we really couldn't find anything. And when we looked at different universities and their university health services, um, they did have a lot of recommendations on what to do um, when you're experiencing loneliness. Um, and to talk about those, I mean, loneliness is directly connected with mental health. And so, of course, it's important to talk to a doctor, um, talk to a therapist, call mental health hotlines. There's a lot of different resources out there. Um, and I, Kurt, when Kurt and I talked before, he talked about putting the power back in your hands, and I think right. Maris and I really related to that. Um, if you kind of want to expand on that. Yeah. So one of the things I like about the Ease Method is that it shows that you have the power to control your relationships and that they're not just something that happens and you just have to sit there and wait for them to happen to you. But I think too often mental health makes us feel like we're you know, poor mental health, mental health issues make us feel like we have no control over what we do. And so, yeah, I agree with you. One of the things I like about the Ease Method and about this idea of, is 
giving power back to us and saying, no, we're the ones that can control how our relationships are built. Um, and if there are failures in that, or I don't really even like to use the word failure. I like to use the phrase, like, not getting what you hope for. Um, that's just a, that's just one blip on the radar. It doesn't have to be that way. I mean, nobody's 100% all the time. So I like the idea of, of, like you said, giving power to the individuals, especially at a time when in college you feel like you don't have any power. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Wow, we covered a lot today on a really important topic, loneliness in college. Yes, thank you so much to our guest, Kurt Morris. We really appreciate you coming out and talking with us. Um, I think our conversation was really great and something that I hope more students on campus um, and more people in general are going to talk about um, and feel comfortable talking about. Um, and you can find Kurt Morris at kurtmorris.net. I am Kurt Morris on Twitter, kurtmorris underscore speaker on Instagram. He has blog postings on his website talking a little bit more about loneliness, and I definitely recommend you check them out. Yes, thank you so much for coming. And is there anything you would like to say to our listeners, Kurt? I think the most important thing is something I said earlier, which is that college students, you're really not alone in feeling lonely. There are a lot of other people out there like you, and I think it's important just to start talking about it to erase that stigma, and it could help people feel a little better about their situations. Thank you again, Kurt, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in again. We will have bi-monthly podcasts talking about a variety of mental health topics. <clears throat> Sorry. Before we leave, we want to plug a club Shmile and I are a part of, Active Mind. We meet Mondays at 6 p.m. in 411 L Hall. The club works to reduce the stigma about mental health on college campuses, and it is a safe space to learn and discuss mental health-related topics. Find Active Minds at Northeastern on Facebook if you're interested. You just heard us talking about loneliness in college with Kurt Morris on Mind Over Matter, WRBB 104.9. Mental health matters. Let's talk about it. This episode of Mind Over Matter was hosted by Maris and Shamile. Our producers are Katherine Garcia, WRBB's podcast director, and Parker Brown, WRBB's general manager. This episode of Mind Over Matter was mixed and edited by Benjamin Harold. Special thanks to the WRBB leadership staff, Northeastern University, and Northeastern Student Activity Fee for funding this podcast. Our theme music is Nature's Voice by Ashova. Head to wrbbradio.org where you can find the latest episodes of all of our podcasts, listen to our internet live stream, and read up on the latest music reviews. And make sure to follow us on all social media at WRBB Radio. Thanks for tuning in.